0: They're happy I was, children.
1: I was going to say, I heard something there that, that they came through quite loud.
0: Zach has happy children. I have uh, angry cats on the other side of my door. Uh, was that I a cat?
1: <laughs> the, there's no difference between the two for me, just to be clear. Wait, no, really? Was that a cat?
0: <laughs> on my end? Yeah, it's probably yeah. goats. It
2: could yeah. have been
1: my daughter if it was not his cat. I don't know. Oh,
2: I think it was a, it, I, I feel like it was a daughter, because if not... That is a terrifying animal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's my snow cat.
1: It, given that it's eight o'clock and that her bedtime is probably somewhere between seven o'clock and 11. <laughs> probably, it's, it's entirely possible for quite a while. Yeah, I'm just surprised she's not just a Kool-Aid man through the door and just started talking.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like we should talk about the importance of Standards. sure go right ahead buddy
1: All shout out to kevin for being at the swag and yet still offering to actually try to make this podcast regardless that's some crazy dedication for somebody that probably spent what like two weeks trying to plan for that thing more two months you know <laughs> i mean or sure more yeah i think i think it's been on <laughs> like primary on his radar
2: for months on end now And the last two weeks have been pretty crazy like spending eight hours making slide decks and rehashing them and making them more perfect than they already
1: were yeah, that's a lot of dedication when you just for all of that. I mean, I feel the same way. Like, I don't care if this podcast makes me tired. Like, I still want to be on this, and I still want to do this tonight because it is fun. I mean, you guys could always, you know, move to like the West Coast and be
0: a lot earlier for you. I mean, I'm thinking about it. That warmer weather every it's a year. A life hack.
1: <laughs> are you? Are you <laughs>
2: You'll have to ask for, like, a 40% pay increase. Well, actually, Jeremy won't. He's already in a pretty expensive
1: place. <laughs> actually, both of you are. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of, I, I think with this last one, I think I'm firmly within that as well. Um, I th- Where I think 40%, 40% from here might not put me into abject poverty the second I hit the ground. <laughs> I'll, I'll still be, like, dirt poor, but I won't be, like, on the street living off McDonald's.
0: Let's start with follow-up. Because uh, I have a couple items. Uh, do you guys have anything? I'll, you guys can certainly go first.
2: Uh, Matt gave me a heads up for a really cool app uh, called Pocket Cast that I had never heard of before, and I had enough of the free Google money from doing their uh, what do they call it their oh, the you know survey thing the survey thing yeah yeah Google Rewards money so I got it for free.
0: Nice. Oh, what what is Pocket Cast?
2: It's a just an app for for podcast playing um oh cool you know i'm not really used to it yet this is the only podcast i've subscribed to with it but uh you know (laughs) so far i've been very impressed with the content that i've heard
1: yeah you know i remember i was looking up an android podcast app and i'm like what am i going to use and then that one came along and i'm like you know this is pretty darn good i wonder if i can search mvp's podcast now directly and if it's going to show up yeah because they seem to pull from like multiple sources yeah, yeah it shows up now
2: oh nice yeah it probably just took a couple of days to to propagate um but no i've been pretty impressed i mean i when i had ios i used uh overcast which i think is kind of everybody's favorite on ios and uh and with uh, what
1: the f- <laughs> was that a kazoo or what i do kevin what the <laughs> hell
3: hey that's <laughs> a, a hotel chair. Do you have a I drunk chicken COVID what COVID are COVID. you doing? I'm a, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken.
1: Uh, okay so not so not enough I believe is the correct answer then. yeah <laughs> Welcome yeah howdy How uh, your first day of uh, how do you feel about this
3: one? Uh, this I feel water. really good actually. Uh, so this is my first <laughs> time delivering a keynote and uh, I think it went really really well. And then, thankfully, I only had one other session today, which was your dashboards are bad and you should feel bad.
1: Oh, man. I, Nick must be just – his his dead whaps are spinning in their graves right now.
3: <laughs> hey, I asked him. I was like, can I present this? Because it was probably the best summation I've ever seen describing why dashboards are tough and how you really need to take time to invest in them. Did you ask for just
1: a DNA sample clone kind of thing?
3: If I could have dragged him here, I would have. Man, it's chilly down here. I mean, (laughs) it's relative. But when I left Austin, Austin had a cold snap and went to like 28 degrees for like 12 hours. And I was like, this is not Austin weather. And and my body can handle it, but I've kind of been broken by Southern Texas. So I was like, it's cold. You know, still wearing like a light jacket, not like a full winter overcoat. But I was like, maybe Atlanta will be warmer. Nope. Exact same temperatures.
1: Considering that I think today's weather when I walked downtown was zero with a wind chill of twenty, ten 10 below, 20 below. If it were 25 degrees, I would probably be out in shorts today.
3: <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not saying I am a special snowflake or anything. It's just that when you travel somewhere, you want to change uh, whether hot yeah. or cold, you know, just, you just want some difference. And the fact that it's literally the exact same thing I left annoys me.
1: I don't blame you at all. That that makes perfect <laughs> sense. I mean, you also traveled, what? I mean, how far is that? That's like 800 mile flight or something?
3: It's a two hour flight uh, with tailwind. So yeah, think about that. Yeah, that was a 14 hour drive if I had to do it the long way. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine that because you probably have like four hours of just traffic, right?
3: Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> all I know is, all I know is our early flight got canceled for no apparent reason. So I didn't get in last night until I didn't get to the hotel until almost ten o'clock last night, and had to be down at the at the conference room, which thankfully is in the same building, so not a giant stretch, but had to be down there ready at seven a.m. local, which is an hour earlier than seven is where I was just yesterday, so six a.m which means I got up at 5 a.m. I was like, this is not a way to meet people. I'm not a morning person. Welcome to the One Truth time zone. I'm glad you're here. Hey, I, hey it's not like I didn't live the rest of my entire life here. <laughs> I'm like, look, the sun's going down in a pre, at, a, at a reasonable hour. This is nice. <laughs> so, Kev, we were uh,
0: working through some follow-up items from last week. Was there any, anything you had to
3: follow up on? Uh, not a whole lot, uh, for the purposes of this conversation that, uh, I should, I can tell everyone here that the MVP invitations for the new members did go out. Hooray! So I'm still waiting to hear back from one person who's actually on vacation, but otherwise we'll be making the announcements for the new additions. Everyone I sent out to did accept. There were several people who have elected not to renew their MVP this year, just because they've moved, they've moved on to different roles in their organizations. So... Good for
2: sound. We need a a soundboard for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like sad trombone for that, you know.
3: Mm -hmm. I'll I'll get us something, something. (laughs) You gonna get us a little something, something there, Jeremy? I got I got something. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I I will apologize in advance if my quality goes in and out because I am just paired to my cell phone. So if I start, you know, turning into. uh, Max headroom. Someone let me know and I'll go completely offline.
1: Here you go. <laughs> wow. Having,
3: a, you having
1: know the, a phone right next to uh, the microphone does work as an effective soundboard, I suppose.
2: The best part of it, Matt, was the timing of the delivery. <laughs> you know, know, I mean, it, it was exactly when we needed it, right when <laughs> the announcement about people, you know, not renewing their, MV- oh, wait, no, you were two minutes late. Never mind. Right.
3: Hey, that that was exactly the right time. (laughs) It sucks about Nick having to deal with those wireless controllers that went load up on him. Yeah, shout out to Nick. Holy moly. That's a bad day. That's exporting all those Mac addresses, reimporting all those Mac addresses in new hardware or migrating over somewhere else and messing with licensing. And no, thank you.
2: I feel like next podcast that Nick's on, we need to talk about redundancy. (laughs) and backing up your configurations.
1: Actually, doesn't he have... Weren't they Meraki's or something like that for him? Ah, who knows. Ah, whatever it was.
2: There was something that
3: didn't make it through the day. (laughs) Humble brag, all my stuff's fine. (laughs) As I I polish my fingers on my shirt.
2: (laughs) I'm not a... I'm not a network engineer anymore, but, you know, my my router that's sitting next to me here at my desk is working amazingly.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And when it goes down, you unplug it and plug it back in. That is
2: true. I've been watching IT Crowd, and I've learned some good tricks. (laughs) As
1: long as you don't
0: unplug the Internet. (laughs) When Mm -hmm. I can upgrade to uh, not not amplify. Who makes it? Ubiquity? (laughs) Yep. Yeah. When I can upgrade to their small, medium business stuff.
2: I'm actually going to go for, uh, I think, the Google Mesh Wi-Fi next, just because the house is big enough that, like, this router doesn't quite cover everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, there's probably better, me- I mean, not probably, there's definitely better mesh, but we're on 100 meg, right? I don't really need, you know, something insane.
0: So... And everything um, else
2: we have is Google. You know, we got like Google Minis and
1: Google Homes and Google Hubs and
2: yeah, if that
0: fits in. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. There there's a a difficulty with a lot of Wi-Fi and home where you kind of should have a mesh, even if you're gonna go with something else. Like really I would think the best way to go on I don't know if you can do it or not, is probably something like a decent router setup that's a real router, like an like ubiquity <laughs> and above not below and then still have a Google mesh behind it to handle just the sheer amount of different stuff on wifi, like, like regular stuff, like a Google home. I don't remember if that does wireless AC. I don't remember if it's two by one, you know, your, your wireless device, may, your wireless mesh routers may only do four by four or something. So the minute you have more than four active devices, you have like wireless G speeds all over again. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, we'll know sooner or later because I'm either going to praise it or complain
2: about it in one of these casts.
3: So. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, wait. The mesh, I, the mesh, I also like because it looks. And I think we've all done it at one time where we've actually set up, even if you had to hand balance it, which I hope you didn't have to do, but it is possible to hand balance out the wireless signal strength at the various frequencies. Mm-hmm. I think we've all spent <laughs> time doing that, and it's a nightmare.
2: Yeah, I, I have not mesh, done that.
3: Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, remember, I don't hobby in this
2: stuff, guys. Like, I don't own a laptop. I have a Chromebook, and that's it.
1: <laughs>
2: well, it's so freeing. Yeah. Like, there's books in my life. It's pretty kind cool.
1: Every time he says it, just take a drink, okay? If, if you can make it through the podcast, we'll, we'll oh, I
3: really break. like that rule. <laughs> that's
2: a Are we doing rule.
1: drinking games? <laughs> Maybe we'll this have the entire to. podcast
3: uh, is a drinking game.
1: Th- this podcast is, at the end of it, is going to be uh, Last Man Standing, I guess. Last man conscious. Um, oh, it won't
3: be me. <laughs> I'm telling you that now. I'm already a couple in. I'm just saying. I, I
1: work from home, guys. I'll take this
3: challenge. <laughs>
1: I, I will either be the first out or the second out, but um, you'll know.
0: <laughs> you would probably be second behind me. I'll probably be first.
1: You'd hear probably prominent snoring from me. I'd be guessing. So you'll you can just filter that. <laughs> just in the corner. So and then, you, uh, and then you hear my daughter come over and scream and do a Kool Aid Man through the door and then probably jump <laughs> on me.
0: Nice, that's one of my favorite visualizations is people doing the Kool Aid Man.
1: Oh my god, if I encourage anybody, first, really.
0: do it.
3: Now, now I want to do that at a swag. <laughs> I totally want to like be hiding behind the curtain, oh. like pre mic'd up, and just like pop out between the projector screens and be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, no, you just, get."
1: You guys Watch should like have an MC
3: just stare.
0: Yeah. So not
1: not only do I endorse this idea as an awesome idea of a COVID man pop out, but um you could probably print it on paper or something to run through it theoretically, assuming you don't just bounce off.
2: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, right? You need to get an MC and do like a like an intro like they do at like football games, you know?
3: So we run in with our cheerleaders around us.
2: No, you don't have to have cheerleaders. You just you know, run in through a sign like they do like high school football.
3: Yeah, that's true. Like the where paper does ones? one find? I mean, paper of you know, once,
2: size. once you've proven more success, you can upgrade to the internal
1: fireworks, you know? And then when you, <laughs> when you want to add the comedy one, you can do the, uh, the family guy, st- family guy style one, where in the middle of somebody else's presentation, halfway through, you have somebody do it again and have them <laughs> go through and just be like, Oh yeah. And then when everybody looks around, it's the worst timing. They, Oh no! Yeah.
0: <laughs> Is it about, weird have to wear or... one of our uh, classic hashtags like Bumswall? Yeah. Bum. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's. I don't know if it's good or bad that every time I hear someone yell, "Oh yeah," I don't think Kool Aid Man, I think Duff Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know if that's good or bad.
0: That's just showing your seniority. It's uh, <laughs> a you. are in your hand, I
2: think. I do like that. I'm gonna start saying seniority. That's that's a better way to think of it.
0: Mm -hmm. There you go. (laughs) Uh, So we have a Twitter handle now uh, at MVP's podcast. Uh, So we'll probably use that or the plan to use that is to also post out when a show is posted. uh, If you don't have a podcast player that supports push notifications to let you know that a new one came out.
2: That That sounds amazing, Jeremy. Tell me more.
0: (laughs) Uh, it's a twitter handle zach that's tw- that's twitter yeah oh is that
2: was that not where i was supposed to say
1: that
0: sorry no, <laughs> i think that's fine so who's editing tonight
1: uh i'm not going it. to try to take a take a stab because jeremy's done like all of these so far and
0: <laughs> it's only two <laughs> he's got 100% all of
1: them <laughs> so what this really means is i'm still going to nominate jeremy to do it but i'll say that i will I'm just going to re- reiterate that I have a Chromebook,
2: so I'm out.
0: <laughs> um, no, no, it depends of, on the time of editing. Um, I am going to do a, a shout out to the developer of some of the tools that I helped edit this show, uh, Marco Arment, who um, makes the Overcast podcast player, uh, and he also has released in beta uh, a post podcast production tool called Forecast. Um, so if you want to check out his work or support his work, um, that's all he asks for using that tool for free.
2: Nice. I do remember you saying how easy it was. So is as is, is low tech as uh, I am about things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't bad. Uh, actual edit on the long episode. Uh, that'll
3: that'll take some training.
2: <laughs> Did we have a long episode? I don't remember that. Seem seems short. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> three hours twenty eight minutes, what was it? What was the total runtime on that? uh with edits, I thought it was two thirty and change, yeah,
2: something like that. I, it's still long, like... but
0: it's consumable at least
2: yeah'm i spoiled I'm spoiled, I'm spoiled uh, listening to live cast of d and d that go like four to six hours, you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm used to like normal two hour podcasts. Uh,
3: so if we can curb this one
0: down a little more,
3: uh that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, you guys got me maybe for forty more minutes because uh, I have to like read through my deck for tomorrow because I've never actually spoken it before. Perfect. So I kind of kind of want to go through that at least before I crash out tonight.
2: I say you just <laughs> read it live to us right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to do that? It's not going to go live. It's uh. Well, you guys probably remember it. It was uh. I guess it was two thwack camps ago. Leon and I, and a guy named Dave Josephson, who at the time was with Labrador which became App Optics, we did uh, the four questions of alerting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah Yeah. So I'm basically rehashing that with some new stuff, some new tips that we've come up up with over the years. and it, but realistically, uh, between the dashboards are bad. Leon tomorrow talking about the cost uh, the cost of making uh, your plea to management to actually pay for monitoring and mm-hmm. because it's tough sometimes because they hear dollars and they say I don't sometimes. want to spend Yeah. <laughs> well it can be. You've got to put it in business terms and I'm horrible at that.
2: No, it's not it it's not sometimes, it's every time and then also twice every time.
3: Yeah. Sometimes and sometimes that requires a bake off against another one. Then you gotta do pro cons for everything. But A lot of what we've actually gotten to is between the dashboards talk, which is all about you have to have a conversation with whoever you're building dashboards for. I mean, we can show you bad examples of dashboards all the live long day because there are some horrendous ones and we can show you some really cool ones. But if it's not going to meet the needs, then what's the point? And then that's basically the same thing we're going to be talking about for alerting is you've unfortunately you've got to leave your cube. You've got to go up to somebody. You've got to set a meeting. You've got to talk to somebody about what their day is like so you can actually build things that work for them.
1: I can probably even give you some fun, possibly additional stuff on that one because I'm in the process of ripping out the old environment of where I am in probably the next two days. I just hmm. got my app server and DB server and they just got to fix, finish setting up the DB since that's not my choice. Uh, nod to Kevin, I did indeed follow the proper build this time so i have like my log set up correctly and my sim links and everything Mm -hmm. and god does it run so much better oh my god it's amazingly
3: fit for even if you don't actually put it on different actual spinning disks just split splitting up the I/O so it doesn't back up the law the uh the disk queue in windows is amazing how much it does
1: like, I'd never paid attention to turning off the indexing. And even that one, I'm like, wouldn't this make it slower? And then I'm like, you know, it's running faster and I can actually notice it. What the heck?
3: Yeah, and it works. Well, because you never search for files in the file system, not on production systems like that. You always typically go and you already know where the files are. So why are you indexing the contents? Why are you indexing the names? And definitely, why are you indexing the contents of these files? You don't need to do that. That's just Wait. CPU cycles and disk IO. You're burning through for no good reason. Wait, wait, back up. Help, help a poor, uh, uneducated man
0: understand what you're talking about.
1: So okay. Kevin has a blog post in his blog where he talks about how to build out a SolarWinds environment properly. And there's a bunch of things in there, like, for example, redirecting your app data folder to another drive, setting your cache so that it's a static amount. And will always be allocated instead of Windows saying, well, we'll start with two gigs and, you know, we'll take up 50 if we have to, but we're really not going to. Um, To things like, you know, here's every Windows feature you need to have installed and here's a script that just, just paste it and here's everything. Um, Which sped up the installation. I would jokingly say that on 2016 it misses some of the older .NET, but that's like five seconds and takes care of itself, but all this together and turning off indexing on all the drives and like, hey, this should be on a drive, this should be on its own drive. Like the difference in just how the server runs, just even as a base server is noticeably different.
3: And also to format everything with 64K blocks. It's, it's something people overlook, but even when you're getting multi-writes back, if you format things with 64 blocks, Instead of things running and when you hit that 4K mark and having to allocate 4 more K somewhere else and it may not be contiguous on the disk, you have 64K that you can fill up. So for log files, this is really helpful and especially for drives like where the web server goes where you have a lot of little files, like all those PNGs and uh, GIF images, they're in there and they're all, most of them are under 64K, which means they... That file is completely contiguous on that disk and you're not doing disk searches to pull that together.
2: Hmm.
3: And then the other thing that Jake pointed out in the Slack channel a while ago about how to improve your website performance by basically turning off recycling on the IIS pool. That's the only other thing, but that has to be done post. And honestly, that thing, to script it out is just as painful as to just go through and check it since you only have to do it once.
2: I already
1: scripted it for Jake, so <laughs> cheated. He, and, you're talking about turning off the app pool recycling, right?
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, it's kind of like I think what we did is scheduled it. So, ours is ours forcibly runs every day at like 4 a.m. and then we also if it if it hits a certain amount of um if an app pool hits a certain amount of memory, it'll recycle itself as well. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the exact limits we set, but right. cuz that'll we be did.
3: different for every environment too.
2: Yeah, it's made a pretty decent improvement to our dev environment. We, we're about to move our prod environment and do all our upgrades uh, next Saturday. Not this one, but the next. I just built, you know, for, for reference, Jeremy, I just built uh, uh, 18 polling engines and four web servers um, with the basically taking Kevin's model and... Wrapping it inside of a script, it worked more for some of our settings, and uh, it took, like, I don't know, four hours to build all those servers, and then uh, however long it took to install the apps, you know. So, I mean, it's it's pretty nice, um, and, it you know, there were some bumps. There's some, you know, make sure you read the entire blog article and look at that huge thing at the very top that says, this is not the latest info. Click here for the latest info. Like, that's important. <laughs>
3: so yeah that's why we put it at the top instead of the bottom now yeah i'll make sure i, I still, skip that
2: i still maintain that you put it to the top after i had already missed it
3: i may have done that there's a very <laughs> real chance that i did that or because the other cameras i was just saying that sometimes there's these things where i inspiration strikes and with my own personal blog i don't have to sit and doesn't have to go through reviews and all this stuff it's basically my opinions and when i wrote it i was like I got to get this down. I totally screwed something up. I found this thing and I, I don't want to do it again. So I wrote it, I put it down. I was like, Oh, note to self must fix backlinks on this thing. And just completely missed it.
2: Yeah. It was stuck in backlog. Yeah. But, uh, you know, luckily whenever I you know broke two servers in a row and had to completely delete them and start over, Kevin was <laughs> like, like, Oh, that. I remember what I'm supposed to do.
3: Mm hmm. Let me fix that. Check this link instead. Whoops. Save, save, (laughs) quick, save, 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 publish, publish. Yeah.
2: So, spoiler alert, you can't redirect a iNet pub folder if you've already installed IIS. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It doesn't like
3: moving things that are already there.
1: So, that's why it's still on the C drive. I see what I get to do next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I don't know, it was fun. I I haven't been able to really
2: uh, flex any scripting outside of like API work in a while. And it was, it was a heck of a lot of fun kind of taking, What was it? Like three different, four different blog articles that kind of went through the whole process and tearing them down into pieces. I think I shared what I rewrote with you. You did. And And uh, it's,
3: it's, it's spot on, but I think that's one of the things that I like about this community in general is that if we find something cool or we do something cool, we share it and it's not necessarily for a claim. I mean, don't don't get any of us wrong, we we do like kudos, especially like it from peers who we respect. But having someone be able to use that to make their life easier, that's even more important as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, for sure. It kind of pays back in spades when you find those people coming back later themselves and be like, hey, look at that thing I found. Check this Mm -hmm. out. Which I have a lot that I'm going to be putting up in this process of spinning up the new stuff. However, going back... Go ahead. I was going to say, if you want to go back to the thing, though, um, the alerting thing, that's front and center for me because they have... They're on the old old Orion. They're on, like, 2014. So the old alerts manager, and I'm like... So, all those alerts, yeah, yeah, no. We're turning them all off, yeah.
3: So, like, you're going to
1: copy it over, right? I'm like, no, we're not going to copy over any of that. We will duplicate what you want to have and the other people's stuff. He's like, well, you're not just going to delete it, right? I'm like, no, I'm going to send an email to everybody and say, who knows what this is for? Yeah. If you can't tell me, it's going away. If you can tell me you need it, we can start the dialogue. So, I'm literally going to force the dialogue on, on who wants this. This is why I love having an integrated ticketing
2: system outside of Orion, because I can show tangible data behind that kind of claim. And I don't have to ask anyone. I can just say, look, it's taken, you know, 38% of these alerts are closed within five minutes.
1: We can turn this off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that in your case, really nice. you just rely <laughs> on the process. I was going to say, and can you just give people a task and be like, Hey, uh, I'm turning this off unless you care or something. Uh it
2: depends on the team, right? I mean it it it's it's very situational. Like when I was a consultant and I was in and out in a week, yeah. I You guys are paying a pretty decent amount of money to have me here. You can either trust my opinion or not, but I'm turning this stuff off. And uh when you're in a enterprise or a, you know, a more permanent position, sometimes you don't want to burn all your uh favors that quickly.
0: No, it's it's fine. Burn it down. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, that's, that's my, you know, my, my go-to, right. Is let's just torch it and see what happens. Um, It's kind of why I test and prod, right. But yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> <it's>, I wouldn't <laughs> suggest it
3: man in the world.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't suggest I it test, for everyone. Test
3: and prod. Well, it's actually one of the things it, like the third slide that I have is the title is regarding out of the box alerts. And then I have this, Ugly, horrible animation, and done intentionally because it's supposed to be cheesy as all get out. That falls down on the screen that just says "turn them off." Yeah, because yeah. out Every of the time. box alerts for regardless of whose system it is, it could be the solar wind stuff, it could be System Center, it could be you know CA it could be anybody. They're there as an example. That's it. Do yeah. that is that is not scripture. It shouldn't be treated as scripture. That's that's a good base to start with, and There's that's. A, the end of it
1: there's one other knockoff there that you got to be careful of, which is for inexperienced people with solar winds, if they sit there and they set up a default email address now that you had, now that email address is spanned with every single stupid alert that you should have turned off so and it's not straightforward to remove a default email address, and I told the UX team about that too because once you put one in there and you save it and you try to go back, it'll be like, nah you can't get rid of it that way. You need to go into the database manager and you got to find that help desk art, that support article on that. Otherwise you're going to be like, dear God, turn off all the alerts.
3: Mm-hmm. Another yeah. Another
1: argument for having a ticketing system.
3: And an additional argument for using a service account that's email enabled. So for me at my last company, the email that was the default one was Orion at local, or, you know, with my actual domain in there. So the Orion account was basically spamming itself and I could open that mailbox every so often. And we also put it on like a two-day retention policy. So after two days, the stuff just deleted out. So we were never maxing out that mailbox. But if I needed to do a quick test on something, it was great to leave it in there as default email and then watch that mailbox and see, yeah, that formatting of that address the formatting of that email message, you know, the HTML, the CSS or whatever in it. Looks good. So now I'm ready to actually flip that to the proper teams.
1: I like that. We talked about that on the other one about what people want to do where they test it. And I think a lot of people on that, I think it was uh, Nick or Zach that I think might have been Nick that said that he would copy himself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I like that, but the service I think <laughs> I can
2: promise you that wasn't Zach. <laughs> <laughs> that is not something I would do. I will never put my personal email into anything in Orion.
3: Yeah, um,
2: yeah, I, I I do what Kevin does, right? We have a, a dummy email, so I'm a and maybe that's just preference, right? But I'm one of those people that like has nervous twitches when they see unread messages. So just I, you. yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot who it was. I think it was one of my coworkers, maybe a colleague from a close team. Whenever I was in the corporate office a while back, and I they were showing me something on their phone and they had like all nines on their mail icon.
0: <laughs> and I was
2: just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like <laughs> it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it, we, uh, in our team, we have kind of like a, a, joking, uh, fun competition to see who can empty their email, uh, inbox every Friday. And I, one of us, and I won't say who, but it's another MVP, uh, cheat, <laughs> cheats and uses rule, cheats and uses rules that put his inbox stuff into like a staging like needs attention folder, and I'm like, so you've just made a second inbox,
3: yeah <laughs> You migrated your inbox contents to another folder that's all except yeah. that's all yeah that's 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 the next slide actually that I'm presenting tomorrow is like if you have an email rule to move stuff to move alert messages to a subfolder you've already lost,
2: yeah, yeah, one of the hardest things to that i Uh, I wouldn't say struggled with, but one of the most common recurring themes of when I was training and doing consulting and stuff is trying to, you know, dictate and uh, explain and get people to adopt and and really live by the idea that alerts and reports are two completely separate things.
3: Oh yeah. Well, monitoring and alerts are two completely separate things and people don't understand that either. Is this where we talk about notifications? (laughs) Basically, but i mean that's what it is Mon- monitoring is just is just grabbing content it's 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 metric collection that's monitoring and flagging things as up and or down that's not alerting alerting is a different beast i mean they're related it's like your tachometer and your speedometer they're related and they basically report similar things but they're not the same thing and you can, one cannot be swapped for the other this is and the to constant muddy the trouble. waters
1: a little further with the fun an alert and an event are not the same thing.
3: Also true. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it's uh, uh
2: it's one of those things where when you're building your alert schema, I have if I have that. always pro. What's that? If you do that. Uh, if yeah, Jeremy, when <laughs> you do that, when you build your alert schema. <laughs> um. It's it's completely acceptable to respond no to anyone who says they want to alert on anything. <laughs> you know, like you get those teams, right? You're like, hey, guys, you know, I'd like to, and ladies, I'd like to onboard, you know, blah, blah, blah. Tell me what, you know, what do you want to be woken up at 3 a.m. about? And mm-hmm. and what's going to impact the users? And you get a reply that's like, oh, just monitor everything. If If anything's above a critical threshold, send me an alert.
3: Yeah, at three o'clock during the backup window, yeah. your 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 <laughs> Nick went to ninety percent when no other processes were high. Do you need to know about that? No, it's the yeah. backup window.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, it's another thing that's it's something that we've learned at, at at our company. It's extremely important to so in dev teams they have things at least a lot of dev teams maybe not all but. Uh, they have a concept of what's called a game day exercise, where basically, you know, they, they do a disaster exercise and say, you know, if if something fails, what's our backup, right? Do these runbooks actually work? Um, and that, that concept that really, in my opinion, should be carried over to your alerting um, just because of the idea that when I came into this company, because of the original alert schema, there were... Um, I, Josh would know the exact number because he remembers these things, but it's there was something around eleven hundred defined
3: alerts. Um, I can look it up. It was in the Toronto deck.
2: <laughs> was it? Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. he, he he did that one. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it. I mean, it was you know, well, it was over a thousand, and that's probably the easiest way to 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 honestly say it. Um, and we, you know, we had to take a step back, and because I was like, look, guys, we've got. You know, our our offshore support team spends a lot of time just building alerts like, why are we not, you know, flipping this on its side and and using custom properties in a more intuitive way so we can have like one CPU alert that looks at, you know, uh, the, the threshold of the node and just alerts on whatever that individual nodes level is and things like that. You know, some of the more common tricks that we use and we talk about in a lot of our speeches and stuff like that. Um, But really what it comes down to, right, is that happened uh, about a year ago, give or take. And now it's time, like, okay, well, we really need to start talking to these app teams and going, look, you know, we've we've noticed that your Tomcat 7 process has been offline for more than 30 days. And you've got, you know, you just closed the ticket, but it's never actually come back online. What's going on, right? And they're like, oh, we upgraded to Tomcat 8. So the the process name changed and we just put in a ticket to have a new alert made and we're like, well, hold on, you know, we can't just have junk data lying around Um, for multiple reasons, most of which is the load on your Orion server is just killed whenever you have failed polls. And and Kevin, you might know this exactly, but it's something to the nature of like one successful poll. But if it fails, it tries five times. Yeah, to For like WMI the or SNMP, yeah. And we're not talking like the ICMP fast poll thing. That's a little bit different. But we're talking mm-hmm. specifically for like statistical information, WMI, SNMP type stuff. And so if you have a bunch of, you know, the the dreaded gray dots, right, all the unknowns, or if you've got a ton of things that are just always down and just nobody's ever cleaned them up, it drags the performance of your entire environment into the mud. And so, you know, similar to a game day, what I like to really push towards is just basically setting up some sort of uh, reminder in our calendars or something that says, hey, it's been X amount of time since we reviewed the alerts for this team. Let's set up a meeting and talk about it. And it, you know, it might be a 30 minute meeting where the people are like, look, nothing's changed. We like what we have. Let's you know, leave it alone. Awesome. But you've done your due diligence, right? But more often than not, I think you will find that you're going to run into a team every once in a while that's like, you know, now that we think about it, we get 42 alerts a week that go to our offshore, and we've noticed, like, an alarming trend that they just close them. And we've just never had the time to stop and say, look, let's figure out why we're getting this alert, and let's stop the alert. Let's not just auto-close tickets. And that kind of stuff, you know, goes back into what the our... Our, our brethren podcast people were talking about last week with the breaking of the silos, right? Like just getting those conversations in place to talk to these other teams and reminding them, hey, you know, there is a monitoring presence here. It's not that, you you know, these alerts aren't just magical. There's There's work that goes behind it. Getting people to understand and appreciate it more. Plus... You get the added benefit of actually only alerting when things are meaningful and actionable items, which means that people aren't using monitoring in a negative connotation anymore. They appreciate it.
1: I have a fun example of that one from last week. I had a guy who had an email, and uh, it was an alert for something important for him for Citrix, and he didn't do anything about it. And he said that there was one alert that went off like, saturday during a maintenance window at nine o'clock which i'm like why would you even care but then another one went off monday sunday about the same thing it was like printer service on citrix or something and he was like can you turn this up to email every single hour and i'm like you didn't even take action on this in the first place what is spamming it to you more when you obviously aren't paying attention to it in the first place how is that even going to fix the scenario And it's like, hey, can you give me more spam? Because I'm totally going to look at this spam because it's not like the other spam. And it's like, uh... yeah, that's
2: what I that's what I like to call monitoring by feelings. Right. So it's 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 not data driven. Right. It's there's nothing. It's like logical, rational analysis. It's just like, well. You know, I think I'll be able to catch it as long as the monitoring tool tool is always sending me information. I'll have a better chance of catching it than I would if it was just in a dashboard somewhere.
1: Right. Never mind the fact that I set those alerts to a rule somewhere because I'm not looking at them because they're spam from before I got on board and you're not looking at them now. So now it's just there's some folder clearing up that you may or may not catch because whether you're going to catch it or not has nothing to do with how often it goes off.
2: Now, just to play devil's advocate, and I think Kevin will agree with me, right? Is there really ever an important alert from Citrix? No.
1: It's well, only broken. Only if it's... Just uh, reboot it. I thought it was log <laughs> off the user, like uh, the, the Citrix admin.
3: No, it's kill all the remaining Java processes on the box and just wait for it to auto-fail. Or
0: the licensing server goes offline.
3: Uh, I mean, that, just, that, that's Citrix a thing, has yeah. just been such a pain. And I remember... <laughs> Do you guys remember when Citrix, I mean, Citrix has never not had a heyday. There have been very good applications for it, but do you remember when Microsoft started to kind of rail against it with their RDS mm-hmm. the remote desktop services? I never
2: saw one in the wild. I, I saw blog articles and stuff, but I've never run across an RDS like shop.
3: I, I've i never run across a shop, but I built one in the demo lab before I left the demo team. And I'm like, this is interesting. I, and I figured, And I went through one of the blog posts, one of the ones written by one of the Microsoft people and, step-by-step and did the whole thing. And I was like, this is really intuitive. I mean, this works. And like you actually get, like there's actually a virtual machine for you that spins up, spins down as you need it. And when you log off, you actually don't have necessarily a, uh, you can log it off and it stays active or you can actually shut down that machine. And the machine will actually power down and the CPUs are released back to the hypervisor. And then when you connect back in, It just Your your RDP session just takes a little longer because it's actually booting that machine right there for you at that moment. But that means any work you do on one of these machines stays. I'm like, that's clever. And for me, I'm like, if I'm an Enterprise EULA customer with Microsoft, Mm -hmm. this is free, isn't it? I mean, and I don't know how all their EULA rules go because it's been years since I've actually gone through it and it may have changed, but Like, if I have enterprise CALs for all my servers, then I also have it on my hypervisors and they get inherited from the rule structure. So that means I can pay a third party, i.e., Citrix or someone else. They're not the only ones to do this. Uh, VDI was another one uh, for uh, VMware, but Microsoft, I'm going to get it for free. So, and their support's always been good. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I think, I, I love the people that say Microsoft's late to the game and that's why they're not good. But I also think Microsoft has learned over the years that being first is not always best.
2: I mean, I if you're not like first, you're last, are. right?
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I knew there was going to be a Ricky Bobby thing in here, but, I, but it's true. I mean, if they look at the market and they say, look, th- these are the concerns. Uh, Cause I used to use VMware when it was 2.0, like yeah. when it was a windows based solution. And, it was perfectly functional, but it was kludgy.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was I was just going to use that example, right? I, it, it's the the Hyper V versus VMware, right? And as much as people want to complain or give Hyper V, you know, flack or whatever, realistically, having run um, the the classroom at my last job, whenever I did the training, we built it all in Hyper V, and it took me oh, an hour and a half to come up with a PowerShell script that would rebuild my entire classroom in like 10 minutes versus I had worked in VMware shops before. And even with, you know, the PowerShell modules for VMware and stuff like that, it was just never that
3: intuitive to do things like that. Even with templatization, which is one of those things people are like, oh, well, we'll just build a new template. And I'm like, how long does it take you to build a template? Isn't that hours? Yeah. And I mean, how many workstations did you have in your lab? I think there were like 20 machines in the training room, and then each of them needed like three or four servers or something like that. I mean, that's. Uh, I think
2: we built about 48, something like that. Yeah.
3: Okay. But I mean, you're still talking nearly 50. So we'll just say that. So you've got to build 50 servers. And even if you're templatized, for me, that was a lot of right clicking, new from template, next, 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 finish. And the Power CLI for templates never really felt mature to me yeah and maybe it's when i was using it but i i, I did get on pow, on the power cli train early but it never that, really felt fully mature to me
2: i will say to be fair right vmware's power cli has come just light years of head of ahead of where it was it is oh yeah very nice but i mean realistically if hyper-v doesn't have a good powershell module we've got some big problems right i mean it's kind of <laughs> It's kind of like saying Mrs. Baird's has a bad bread recipe, you know, like, yeah,
3: nope, I get it. It's, it's just one of those things I always thought was interesting, but you know, in the monitoring arena, I had a really nice lunch uh, conversation today with some people and it, it's my opinion that sometimes free doesn't mean good. This is the open source versus purchase product argument in a slightly different way. But for me, it was about seven years ago, Microsoft made a big push for everyone to get everything. If you're an eCal customer to get everything on some version of system center, which I will tell you, I've used many different of the modules for lack of a better way to put it. I've used many of the modules inside of system center, you know, the, the, The SCVVM or SCVMM or whatever, the virtual machine manager, I've used the uh, SCCM, I've used a bunch of them. And they're all good learning curves, a little tough on a lot of them. Um, But Ops Manager, I have never been a fan of since it got renamed to Ops Manager when it was mom. And this is years ago. When it was mom, it was solid. But then when they kind of put it under the system center umbrella, it started going sideways. And the sheer number of hours you would burn trying to get it to work offset the the val prop of it costing nothing. We had full two full time employees whose job was to keep system center running. And we also had a I don't, I don't remember how much. So I'm just going to name and arbitrary number. I think it was $300,000 or something. We paid a consultant to come in and set it up. And so, but the ongoing cost is that's two full-time employees all the time versus me doing my day job, you know, networking and mail, you know, the mail management and whatever else duties were assigned, building new offices and stuff like that. And then I kept the Orion suite running with less than a quarter of my time. I was like, that's an 8x increase in manpower for a net loss in productivity. And that's what I had to go to all the time. And there's some teams that said, no, we're not using this because we like what we're getting for. And I don't remember what it was. So I'm going to say it's SQL. It wasn't SQL, but I can't remember what program it was. It was like, we like the way the System Center does it better. And like, cool, that's fine. I'll remove it from my monitoring. And if things go sideways, you don't have to come to me. And that worked really well for a while until lots of things went sideways.
0: I love it when people have uh, the cognizant thought about the cost of productivity or lost productivity uh, when it pertains to anything that we do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, it, it was a new – I had always heard or thought that way, but when I got to this company, it was like kind of formalized into the term tech debt, which is – an industry standard term that apparently I just never heard before. So, you know, whatever, I was way out of the loop, but, um, I was going to say, right. Like there is no such thing as open source being free. It doesn't exist because the tech debt, the labor utilization, the, the tying yourself to filling your team with specific skill sets, right? Like you, you buy, you know, quote unquote buy, but you adopt an open source product that has, a Ruby backend, right? You have to always have someone on your team that knows Ruby. It's a requirement, or you're going to have to pay out the nose for a contractor. Um, Whereas, you know, you buy commercial off the shelf, it's kind of more plug and play, right? Like there's a ton of customizations we can do with our, with our, our chosen modules of, of Orion. But at the bare minimum, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to, you know what I mean? And, that's where um, a lot of discussion and a lot of analysis goes into and a a lot of our architecture and purchasing decisions is you know what is the full cost of something versus you know what's the the dollar amount that you write for a license
3: yeah and it's a tough decision and for me we always got well, I was going to use the word screwed, and then I realized that's probably not an appropriate. One, but I'm going to say it anyway. We would get screwed when our CIO or someone else higher up would go to a conference where there were no IT people. They were just like, <laughs> but we used to have our, our some members of our C-suite go out somewhere and be. It would be like a C-suite only conference, and then they'd come back and be like, "We saw this cool thing," and I'm like, "Cool, tell me about it and let's let's see it. I have no problem doing a bake off or." trying something new it's like, Oh here. And they hand me like a piece of paper. And it's like, you already bought this. Like, yeah. It's like, we have three tools that does this. It's like, yeah, but this will replace all three tools. I'm like, no, no, it won't. This, no, that's not how you got suckered. You got, you got sold a used Volvo, a 1982 Volvo with no engine, but you know, sometimes they got on the hook for that. And there are other times where they bought something that was absolutely brilliant. That was significantly less common. But it, you know, occasionally it did happen.
1: So before it goes too far into that, I just wanted to say the thing about scum to me that kills me is the gotchas up front that you need to know to make it work right, if you're going from scratch or picking it up, are like functional killers if you don't know about them up front. And if you didn't build it right, you're already screwed. Like, say I take an Orion server today and it doesn't have some, everything Kevin recommended, I'll still be okay. If you miss the stuff that Microsoft expects you to do when you use SCOM up front, you are screwed forever Until yeah. you, unless you start fresh. Like if you don't know to look at the management packs before you put them in, if you don't know that you need to do all your customizations in a management pack, if you don't have a plan up front for how you're going to email people and you don't have all three of those there, you are legitimately screwed. You may as well just pick something else. And that was the part... That drove me away from it. And the worst case with SolarWinds, you have emails that go somewhere. And if you can't figure out how to turn it off, um, you could always turn off the alerts if you can't figure out how to clear out the default email. And then you're generally not screwed. You're still, like, basically blank slate. Mm -hmm. You know, and even I had a coworker who picked it up before I started at this company. And he'd never admin before. And, you know, he made a couple mistakes, but, like, he spun it up. You didn't have issues it was like yeah it's pretty much running it's pretty much doing what i wanted i was able to follow the documents and it worked mm-hmm. there's no way in hell that will work with microsoft i'm mm-hmm. sorry but it, it, that's not a true statement at all with well
3: them. no i want to change that a little bit that's true for ops manager that is not necessarily true for other things in the system center suite The other stuff in the system center suite works really, really well. Their patching solution is amazing for Microsoft products. It's absolutely brilliant and it just works. Yeah. And it's got the same kind of hiccups. You get everything else. And now that everything, not everything requires, but everything highly recommends, you have some type of internal PKI. If you've got that internal PKI, most of the stuff from that particular product line, they they'll work without too much problem. Systems. Ops manager, excuse me, ops manager has just been one of those things that has always been kind of a thorn in my side because I remember when mom was available, the management operation. I don't even remember what it was called then, uh, but it was it worked. It just it just functioned. I mean, you, you alluded a lot to the way SolarWinds did things. And around the same time that mom came out, SolarWinds was still a very primary Network centric solution with a little bit of app stuff, but almost exclusively it was for network gear. And basically, all the WMI stuff that has since become standardization over the industry for consuming these events and these flags and these metrics all through Windows, Mom did basically out of the box because someone, and it was a third party that built it originally, Microsoft bought the company entirely it's a rumor. I'm pretty sure it's true. Basically just bought it in and just did not touch it for a year while they gathered information about how to make it better. And then this system center initiative, and I don't know if anyone else thinks of it that way, but to put everything under this kind of system center ideal just kind of came in. And when it made that transition, it just got, it got bloated. And it had too many ancillary requirements. It had too many. The fact that you that I had to have a data warehouse, like a requirement to do any reporting whatsoever, I had to have a data warehouse. That annoyed me, like a lot. I'm like, what if data for me for alerting and reporting purposes, I only need for 14 total days? Maybe that's all I need ever. 14 total days. Soup the nuts. <clears throat> Excuse me. If that's the case. Why do I need a data warehouse? I don't. Oh, but you want to run a report? Sorry, you need to run a report. You need a data warehouse.
1: I felt Uh, like it was some executive that chose to just make the whole, the the monitoring side of what they were trying to go with that, just be a checkbox for an executive and be like, hey, it's free. Here you go. And like, we didn't really try. We kind of half-assed it and we put in our own stuff. But for everybody else, good luck.
0: Kev,
3: what's a data warehouse? Yeah, data warehouse. What, for System Center? Yeah. It's where the reporting service is set in front of.
1: You ha- you can't unlike SolarWinds, where you get that stuff out of the DB, you have to have a dedicated data warehouse for basically long-term storage for everything. And uh it's not straightforward either.
3: No, it's basically another database, preferably on another complete separate physical SQL server and a different SQL instance where your long-term storage goes that you can then report against. Okay. And it, it's, it makes sense for large environments that need to keep a year, two years, three years of content because you really can't afford your database, the one that's actually required for this high IO transactional stuff, mm-hmm. which monitoring is. You wanna shunt that off to possibly slower disks or something that can handle the volume of data, data behind it. And that's great. But the fact that it was required even for small shops or i only need to monitor this you know maybe these 15 or 20 elements right from the get-go it it annoyed me and i i don't take technology annoyance very well because (laughs) especially when i when i don't see a purpose for it
1: and to add on to the humor of it um if you've ever had to deal with like a sharepoint upgrade where people look at and they're like you didn't ask for a lot of hardware and suddenly you have new sharepoint and you need like a gigantic environment. Well, the data warehouse tends to go from like, hey, you changed the retention from three days to seven. And actually, that's like a fourfold increase because of all the things the data warehouse is going to store. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets really big really fast.
3: Long term storage and using it for data analytics is a brilliant idea. Actually, there's a, I post about it on the Slack channel, the thing that Carlo and Kelly asked for details on. Yeah, uh, that's a really interesting thing. Cause I don't know whether DPA is in RC right now. And they started putting in, uh, what are they calling it? They're using machine learning. So inside the engine, the machine learning to determine, uh, anomaly detection, which is really interesting. So it's not threshold violation. It's actual anomalies in your system. And I swear every time I hear anomaly, I just think of star Trek TNG. We found a spatial anomaly, but <laughs> They'll actually do that work. And then a lot of that was trying – the way we do that, from what I understand, and Carlo has this whole long talk about it in uh, the Tech Field Day from this year about how it works. But it's all about uh, taking things that would be causing alerts or possibly are causing alerts and mm-hmm, and tying them back to see if there's some type of root cause analysis by seeing how quickly they fire whether or not this particular alert always follows this other alert, which means they're definitively related or their systems are connected in some way that this alert triggers then alert number two and alert number six always follow after within a 10 minute span. That's what, we're look, that's what uh, Kelly and Carlo were looking for with uh, the information where we had that SWQL or that SQL query It's like, we'd like you to dump this information so we can then run it through this this machine learning we're currently developing to determine if it's something we can actually also bring to the Orion platform. And it's early stages. But it's something that's really interesting, especially now that, well, CPU and memory are cheap, especially compared to even five years ago. So because of that, you might as well take advantage of it.
1: Hey, Kev, before you run out of time here, you want to go through uh... – if there was anything you wanted to talk about on your alerting deck thing, just so um, we don't murder you here on your sleep.
3: No, that's fine. Uh, if you murder me in my sleep, I don't have to give my deck. So, I mean, there's there's good and bad to both of it. Uh, most of it is stuff we've talked about before. Uh, it's for a new audience. Uh, we looked at it today, and it was really interesting. Uh, one of the Slido questions we asked. Oh, by the way, any of you, did any of you guys jump on our Slido and Dark theme it all up?
1: No comment, <laughs> I couldn't that, help but notice there was quite a bit of that,
3: please yeah, yeah, I figured as much. um, we need to start changing those URLs Leon giggling is actually a petrifying thing to me.
2: oh, it's such a fun sound though
3: it is it it, it reminds me of a a child with so much glee, so let me see. I'm opening it up right now. Oh, Do we you, should
0: probably you know, plug uh Leon's new podcast uh.
2: Oh, technically religious. Technically yeah, that, religious. That was yes. such a good I mean they're short, right? So they make us ashamed of ourselves because it was like a 23 minute podcast for their first episode, but absolutely they, not. They packed that's, so much data into that. It was, it you was can really listen really to good.
0: One of our episodes and then get your palate cleansed by one of theirs and then listen to another one of ours.
2: Yeah. Um, and that's that's your 8-hour workday right there.
3: Right? Boom. And no work done. Yeah, so mine's it's it's pretty basic. It's like I, I ask the room, uh, who has the mailbox rule that moves alerts to a subfolder? And then I have a little thing that pops up and says, you've already failed. I say, turn off all your out-of-the-box alerts. Uh, I say, copy and tune your alerts. Do not just enable them. You have to read them, review them, understand, validate, and then customize them. Leon always uses the phrasing, salt to taste. You have to do that for them. Every single one should be glanced at that way. Even if you're starting from scratch and you, you're you not good doing the advanced alerting like people on this call are doing where we're actually leveraging the custom properties to kind of do a lot of this heavy lifting for us. But even if you're just dealing with you know a, a vanilla system, you don't want to turn these things on unless you want to stress test your SMTP queues. If that's all you want to do, by all means, check all the boxes. And then the four questions of alerting here, why did I get an alert? why did I not get an alert, what's being monitored on my system, and what will alert on my system. And you have to be able to answer those four questions for basically every party in your organization, whether it's an apps team or whether it's a web services team or anything. They're all going to ask those questions. And then we also talk about the fifth question of alerting, which is uh, not really part of the four questions, but the fifth question of learning is what, what does a, quote, standard monitoring look like? And the thing for that is that's different for each thing. For me, the way I worked with things, a WAN router didn't have the same alerting mechanisms, didn't have the same severity, didn't have the same type of, you know, target audience that uh, a network switch did. And a Windows server didn't necessarily monitor these same things that a Linux server did. And hypervisors are different as well. Storage arrays are different. And then... But everything you kind of look at the same thing, you know, the the base, the absolute core of it is you always watch CPU, you always watch mem- memory, whether that's physical and virtual or just physical or on Linux machines, whether that's physical, virtual and swap. It's up to you. But you've got to watch those. And then you got to watch your disks or your volumes. you got to watch your interfaces and you got to watch your hardware health. That's, I don't know. This sounds
0: suspiciously like setting standards and creating templates for things.
3: It is, but not everything is going to adhere to that. Everything is going to be slightly different because there are ways this can be done and it can be done really well and it can be automated in a lot of ways. The new stuff put into the network discovery, I guess it's about a year and a half ago. I don't remember what version, but where you can actually say, oh yeah, I'm running a network discovery and I automatically want to add all this stuff if it meets these criteria. And I think we call them device profiles. I don't remember exactly. But being able to do that and run something is like, oh, yeah, if it's a Cisco thing, as an example, if it's a Cisco thing, I want to look at all of the interfaces, but none of the VLAN interfaces. And I only care if they have a label that matches this, then automatically add them and bring all those things in as well. And then. Obviously, if it comes in as a new node and then happens to fit a dynamic group, then it can automatically be added to a group, which can have alerting applied to the group. You know, And there are ways to do these things. Uh, and, yeah, they are standards, but you still have to have that conversation. Because if CPU, memory, disk volumes, interfaces, and hardware health is all you're monitoring everywhere, you're not looking at a single app that's running anywhere in your environment. Not really. And... That's fine if this is maybe a web server running Apache and it really doesn't have anything critical attached to it. But if this happens to be part of like some larger IBM WebSphere infrastructure or an Oracle clusters or anything like that, you need to watch a little more. And the part about that is you have to understand, you know, for me, I define an alert, not same as monitoring. An alert for me is some type of human action needs to be taken a decision needs to be made that cannot be scripted in any way whatsoever leon uses the uh always talks about the the disk low alert you know disk is low so you have a conversation with teams like what happens if you get a low disk alert on something well i go in and i clean out the temporary files okay and if you still have the disk alert then what do you do well then i clean out some old logs and then if you still have the alert. What do you do? And that's when when the people basically say, um, "I don't know." It would I would have to look at that specific machine. That's when you know your alert logic is stopped because you know I've got a low disk alert. What's the first thing I do? I flag an informational alert. Do not send an email. Just write it to a log somewhere. Then I clean up the temp files. Then I wait two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes. And I check the alert again. If it still fails, then I write another informational alert, and then I go and i clean up the log files and then if two minutes later it's still not you know a, a decent amount of space free then i actually get a human involved who can actually look at it but that's always kind of the the way i want to think about alerts i don't think alerts are anything that is exhausting but you cannot have them on if you're chasing down alerts because people are getting too many then you're you're making more work than is necessary but
0: sometimes oh, and people
3: then, want more work they do and but i don't think all, <laughs>
2: remember jeremy works in a government organization
3: <laughs> yeah that is true he's justifying his own employment i get it uh, and then the last thing i mentioned in the whole thing is <laughs> see how i'm just letting that go i'm a very mature man now uh so see how i'm, I'm learning, letting that go yeah <laughs> oh oh the truth. Oh, feelings are everyone's feelings are equally hurt. Um, but, uh, and the last thing I talk about is using HTML and CSS in your messages, because if you have to use email, if you have to use email, depending on what it is, it's easier to give someone a link to something that says, this is a problem with a very short message, but a very pretty message. Including a coloring, so you can determine the severity just by glancing at it, than having to scrub through a big long block of text for the word urgent or high or something like that. Being able to just see, oh, this is all red. That is a problem. We need to, you know, I need to take a look at this right now.
2: Of course. Pro tip: Pro tip. This is also why you present your Orion installation to the public internet with an HTTPS login. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the VPN in on your phone whenever you get the alerts. Yep,
0: that sounds dangerous.
2: Nah, not I mean, as dangerous we, we, as you think. We do it, you know. In the cloud, we're going to be using uh, kind of a new concept for it, but it's you know it's just as secure as logging in at home or in, in, in your work network. Um, yeah. It's conceptually the same.
3: I and mean, don't it, forget, you've got Saml and SSO now. So if yeah. you have a third party, you can always just hook it into your Active Directory behind whatever firewalls you want. Use that as your pass through off.
2: So we're going to be basically, you know, we have an internal load balancer in in the cloud that will uh, load balance across four web servers. And then uh, we'll have a global load balancer doing the same thing. And ultimately we'll have to uh, tie that into Okta for single sign on. Mm -hmm. But Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's, There's risk to everything we do, right? So it's whether or not you accept that risk uh, is always the question for either yourself or your security admin. But uh, for us, um, and I was unaware of this, right? Being the monitoring engineer, I don't really get a lot of alerts, but um, whenever we were planning our, what we call a T-minus, right? Basically our, our migration plan or our steps that we'll take during the change window, uh, Josh called out like, well, what are we doing with our public site? And I was like, I don't know, getting rid of it. You know, I don't ever use that thing. And he was like, no, there's a ton of people that use it. Uh, because you know, not everybody on call is always on VPN and, uh, you know, it was good, as, uh, good. Yeah, definitely good call out. Right. Being a work from home employee, I'm always on VPN. So it's not like, you know, it, it wasn't anything that like I had ever thought of, but it's apparently an extremely useful site, and and I love the idea. The more I think about it, you know, it's uh, there shouldn't be anything inside of your uh, monitoring tool that would be compliance related anyway. You know, we if you're if you're pulling in anything that's going to red flag on like HIPAA or PCI or uh, uh, what's the new one in the EU, the GDPR. GDPR. Right? Yeah, if you if you're if you're pulling anything that's going to flag that, you might want to rethink how you're monitoring because you you shouldn't be pulling that kind of data. And even if you're doing like APM and and looking at you know actual application querying a database, you whatever tool you use should you know obfuscate all those uh, kind of private type things anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, there's risk, right? Because you're theoretically given away host names and IPs, potentially S&P strings, uh, you know, things like that. But it's a risk that typically does, uh, is worth the risk, right? It, to to have the ability for a faster, you know, what's the the golden acronym they're using now? Uh, oh, every company uses a different one, but I think the one that SolarWinds brags about is Meantime to Resolution, MTTR. MTTR. Yep. And, um so, yeah, I mean, if you can lower that, right, it's almost always worth it.
3: Mm-hmm. And I, I will say this, and this is, and I had a discussion like this earlier, and everyone will hate me for how much I enjoyed using a BlackBerry, but, oh. the, uh, yep, and I know, but remember, we're going back seven, eight years easy. I liked my but, BlackBerry. But the BlackBerry was great because it was a constant VPN. So when you got an email alert, you hit a button and you were on your corporate network without an actual software VPN, and you could see those alerts. That's not really a thing too much anymore, but exposing a monitoring solution to the public web on a registered DNS name, yes, a registered DNS name, but one that is non-indexed by any of the search engines is perfectly acceptable if you have HTTPS with proper certificates and use some type of third-party authentication like SSO. I would like a blog post about this so I can it. I was going someone. to say, <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but we need well, to write this up because I literally pushed for that on my previous job and they went the security line about it. And I'm like, I get where you're going with security. I'm like, but if VPN is down and you want to know what else is down, how are you going to get in?
0: Right. Or if email is down, LOL.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Is that a thing anymore? Or is is
2: not everybody on like a, a cloud platform email solution? People are still hosting their own emails?
1: I, I think right. the last time O three sixty five went down was was that this week or last week?
3: <laughs> last week and it was a portion of Teams only, as far as I knew, yeah. and some SharePoint sites. We
1: we had our entire O three sixty five go down from that one, so just for comparison. Yeah.
3: How long was I, it down though?
1: Uh two to four hour range.
3: Okay, so less than if it was your internal exchange server. Yeah, that's, just, <laughs> right. that's
2: just liquid lunch, there, guys.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the beauty of that is no one in your office needs to troubleshoot that; they just need to be aware of it.
2: Yeah. You just set up a an auto refresh on a you know on a Chrome tab sitting on the TV next to ESPN and hang out until the inter- internet's back.
3: Okay. Now you use WPM I, I to, make, to check your login whether or not it works.
2: No, that's
3: that's too much.
2: <laughs> Actually. My WPM is buying concert tickets. I'm not wasting wasting transactions on checking websites. Come on. Who are you, Destiny? I mean, <laughs> that's where <right>. I thought <laughs> it was
1: going.
2: On. I'm not saying that Ticketmaster hates me, but we gotta we gotta, we gotta we
3: gotta compete with scalpers these days, guys. Yeah, that is true. I will not deny that. You know how hard it is to get Hamilton tickets? Ooh, Lord. I mean, on a pocketbook,
2: yeah, it's pretty hard. Mm-hmm. I think the tickets for the 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 local place here were, I want to say they were over eight hundred bucks a piece even for the high seats.
3: Yeah, the garbage seats in Austin were an eight hundred dollars subscription for the season, and then you got put into a lottery for a four hundred dollar ticket. Yeah,
1: I heard something yeah. like that for Chicago where. Uh, they would just do a straight up raffle, like you cannot reserve it. You go there, you buy it on the spot, you go in, but imagine how many times you might do that based on luck before you actually get in
2: it just yeah i mean i it's it's probably a great show, but I'll wait for the you know off Broadway tour that's like thirty bucks and hits the local theater. you know what I mean like. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll watch the community college kids put this thing on and it'll be amazing. I I just can't see that kind of investment just to go to a show. That's a little much in my world.
3: Yeah. I, I honestly got enough of the show just by what there was a PBS special. It had to be 18 months ago and my wife and I are on PBS way too much, but there was a PBS special about uh, Lin-Manuel about how he wrote it and his inspiration for it. And it had so many cutscenes in it of the actual <laughs> live sure. thing that I'm sure. like, I've basically got to watch this without having to get dressed up for a theater. Awesome. It was great. And then if you just, you know, you got your Spotify or whatever, you listen to the soundtrack, be like, there you go. I've got everything I need except for the people walking around the stage yeah. and doing their West Side Story, you know, walk and snap thing. Sure.
2: I mean, I, I get it, right? I love musicals. I love theater. Uh, I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. And I, I have never—well, I probably can't say never, but I've almost never vetoed anything my wife has wanted to go see like that. But
0: mm-hmm.
2: at the same time, right? That's—that's a, that's, uh, you know, for the for the cheap seats. That's that's ten shows of something else. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I go watch Captain Marvel fifteen times.
2: I mean, I could go see like <laughs>
3: Avenue Q. I could see the Phantom. Oh God, Tour. I, I want I could Avenue see... Q to come back out so bad. I did not oh, get yeah. the first run.
2: Absolute or... best, uh, best musical there is, right behind Newsies.
3: <laughs> yeah. thanks <laughs> to you. I i Q. I picture. Avenue Sesame Q is Street. adult
2: Sesame Street, and it is the most As- amazing up. thing.
3: It is so effed up. It is. It
2: is, it is not PG for any of our listeners. Do not look that up in front of your kids. Um, it's not, you know, I would say crass like the Book of Mormon. Um, it's got a, a couple of things like that, but it's it's just a lot of adult themed language more than anything
3: else. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll check that out. Well, and what, what isn't there a song about what the internet's used for?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it was it was actually. I hope into, everybody knows that one. <laughs> I yeah. was gonna say it was actually turned into a like a joking video thing on YouTube when World of Warcraft was still a thing. It had like a little orc running around
3: singing. <laughs> oh, now I gotta I'm gonna spend some YouTubing time. I'll find but it yeah. for you real quick. Yeah, there was, and that's the thing. It's funny because the number of people I talk to in various circles, musicals and theater in general, seem to have come back around couple of years ago so there's stuff that like i want to see like i keep watching for the local theaters either in austin or san antonio for when dear evan hansen is coming through because that's been getting rave reviews and i've read synopsis and stuff and i'm like i think i'd really enjoy that show but other ones and i have friends from a another podcast that i used to be on occasionally with people and listen to for years that uh one of them used to work selling tickets on broadway and then the next time I was due to be in New York, she literally left that job two weeks before. Wow! I was like, "Oh, that sucks," but she's a happier at her new job, so it's all good. That's what it's all about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, if you don't, if if you get to go home on the weekends, you don't take the stress with you, and you disconnect in some way, shape, or form. That's a career win.
2: Yeah, I, I mean that would be uh, an entire podcast in itself just talking about you know lessons learned for probably all four of us over or you know all hundred of us mvps over our careers about is the money really worth it
3: yeah we could have an entire one about our parents not understanding that money does not equal time or maybe that's (laughs) just my parents my mother Uh, will sit on the phone for eight hours arguing over twenty dollars like for a, a health insurance bill or something. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll pay the $20. I want those eight hours of my life back.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's, it's kind of like automation, right? There's that balance. Like, is it at what point is the frustration of me doing this myself and spending my time overridden, right? Like at what point is it just better for me to pay a professional?
3: Yeah. Well, I, I think the same thing for any homework I used to do too. Plumbing, uh, I I I, ab- I abhor plumbing work. I don't like. I literally
2: wet. thought you were talking about like school homework, and I was like, man, you can't just like pay everybody to do your homework, Kevin. That's no, what I thought. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was like, holy <laughs> hell. No, I haven't enrolled in class yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I actually I, I am thinking about going back, in, probably in two months. So nice that that'll be interesting. Uh, you should yeah, focus like, in words
2: and colors. That was my favorite. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. I, I got a, a BA in kindergarten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> M, MBA in coloring book. <laughs> Certific- I have
2: a certification in shapes.
3: <laughs> well, I think we're all good with polyhedrals now. I know um, what
2: a rhombus is.
3: <laughs> Not all squares are, or what is it? Not all rectangles are squares, but all squares are rectangles. Other way around. Whatever, um, I was very I was very bad at the logic part of math. You give me calculus, I can work on some calculus though. But uh, yeah, it's it's just an interesting thing because like I hate plumbing, but if it's a simple plumbing job, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm not paying someone the three hundred dollars to come out and do it, oh, even yeah. if it takes me two Lowe's low trips. It's worth the hour that I burn to replace a faucet. Yeah. Whereas, Plus, I mean,
2: for, yeah, when you have kids, right? Like it's just a heck of a lot of fun to like you know have your kid hold the flashlight and you know it's it's really interesting how getting under the sink and fixing things or you know fixing the car or something like that like that's the some of the the memories that my kids like grasp onto more than anything else or just things like that that we kind of take for granted right like you know yeah i could you know, pay someone to do this, this thing, but the kids just absolutely eat that stuff up.
3: I've done it with cars. My father, I'm I'm not a wrench head. I think I said it last week. I am not a gearhead. I'm not a wrench head. Uh, I know enough to be able to fix most cars before they computerized everything. Um, so like, you know, early nineties kind of stuff, I could handle most of it, especially if it was running like a Ford engine, I had not a big problem with it. But uh, I, there, there is a threshold of when you want to say F this noise, I need a consultant or in a car example, a mechanic. But my father and I, we rebuilt an engine, literally like tore it down to the block, gotten, you know, put new seals on it, got the, got the heads replaned and just did everything. And it was six weeks in the, one of the coldest winters I can remember in his garage with a dirt floor and no heat. But you were talking about, the, the kids and their parents, even as an adult working with my father on something like that, that was valuable time to me because that was time where we could just- w- buckle down and work on something and yeah. it was a teaching moment he's still teaching me every time I have car problems on things. I teach him every time that he should back up his critical systems. I know we discussed <laughs> that um so but there's there's you know there's this is back and forth, and I think that's what makes those back and forth are what makes life worth living. It's you can yeah. live in your own bubble. You can live in a shell. You can never venture outside your cube at work. And then you can go home and turn on your PlayStation and you can watch, watch your Netflix or play your games, or you can have meaningful interactions and relationships with people. And by and large, it's generally hard for it people, people who chose it as a career early on in their life to accept that. But yeah it's so rewarding and you, you just need to get out of what you consider your comfort zone, leave your, you know, your super introverted, you know, general feelings behind and, you know, put yourself out there a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that, that going to these events and being remote and actually doing this is one of the reasons that I, I like it so much is I've met five or six people today that, And I will never remember their names, but I will remember their thwack handles when they reach out to me later. And I'll be like, I remember your problem. That's totally cool. Did you get some help? Nope. I think this is something you should look at now.
1: (laughs) I had uh, my wife, for all the credit she deserves, is fully aware of, just the long-term value of those types of interactions and you know my daughter loves it she loves to get involved like even when we put together just a ikea bookshelf like she was like i got my hammer and it was a toy hammer and i'm like you know what we are gonna make it work with this and we hammered in some nails with her toy hammer and she had the biggest blast of all time with that Mm -hmm. and and you know like did I get my finger smashed? Of course. Did she smash her finger? Of course. But like the, the term value there of, of, you know, Hey, we've never done this before and let's, let's just do it. Mm-hmm.
2: What? what are y'all I, I hitting just, I, on an Ikea bookshelf hard enough to smash fingers though? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you, uh, you might've misinterpreted that Swedish instruction.
3: Yeah, but why do I why have a why do I have a feeling that only Thor could walk down the aisle and actually understand the descriptions of all of those products?
2: I mean, I <laughs> I still maintain that they just make some of those up just to mess with. Oh, them. I know for a fact. You know, like <laughs> like there's no such thing as a fjorgen organ. You know, <laughs> but by but goodness, is. that is a really nice end table.
3: Yeah. There is, but it actually happens to be a meal that the Swedish chef on the Muppet Show put together. So
2: Yes. <laughs> pork, Love pork. him. I <laughs> I'm a big fan of the, the aliens myself. The the yip
3: yips. Oh the yip yips? Yeah. Yeah. My That's
2: wife awesome. and I will randomly just like I, I can't wait till <laughs> my kids are old enough to be embarrassed. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah. Uh, but we just like randomly will be driving down the road and just radio <laughs>
3: I like telephone when they used to be like Oh ping, yeah. Ping, ping. Yep. Uh
0: we right, we off into Muppets.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We we have arrived at Muppets, sir.
0: <laughs> That's yeah.
1: right. The aliens have landed. Yip 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 yip
3: yep, <laughs> yep, yip 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 phone yep,
2: phone. <laughs> all right, I'm I'm looking for the YouTube so we can put it in the show notes.
1: Podcast. Yeah.
2: Pod
3: <laughs> yep 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 stream. Alright, gents. I'm signing off. Y'all have a great evening. And I look forward to speaking to you all next week if I can make it.
2: Awesome. Have a good time at your swug.
3: Thanks, guys. I'll yeah, check in after in. we're all done.
0: <laughs> Vio, <sir>. Thanks, <laughs> kid. Yeah. Mm, so how all
3: about right.
2: that big topic, fellas? Oh, you mean the one about testing Prague?
0: That's probably not important.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll do that some other time.
2: I'll
0: just
1: in prod all day. We can always cover that with
2: I'm pretty it. sure
0: um, I literally just bought a sticker that says that.
2: Yeah. I I am I am pretty positive that the end result of this podcast is going to be the UK early squad is going to be on topic and have very passionate and poignant discussions and what we'll call uh MVP podcast after
1: dark. For us, right? We're just going to (laughs) randomly talk about things. All right. So closing thought things. Uh, One thing I saw Kevin, or uh, that he mentioned that I thought I really liked is the way he put it about monitoring, Um, where he said that monitoring is metric collection. I think that's kind of a good way to put it. And just something I wanted to raise attention to, because I have I have people who go, they say you're collecting performance metrics. It's like, no, that's not the only thing that I'm doing. I'm not just making sure that it's up down. I'm oh, yeah. not just You'll checking need to unlock your phone. the other things. What was that?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, people's perception of what monitoring is, is very, um, it's very individualized. Uh, in different environments of what monitoring means to them versus what is actually happening.
1: Apparently, I triggered Google Voice on my phone. Jeez.
0: Oh, she sounds pleasant.
1: My wife has
2: turned all of the... Google Minis and stuff to the Australian voice and it's like I'm not used to it yet so it keeps surprising me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it's a surprise you, right but I'm just like who who are you oh okay <laughs> in your
1: car if you do uh the UK voice for the English voice for waze wazzy whatever it's the uh, same idea i like love it and my wife's like what is that voice and occasionally it it kind of uh breaks the uh the fourth wall a little bit where it'll be like, turn left at Lancashire road. Just like (laughs) out of the blue, you know?
2: Nice. Yeah. Like when I was still in need of ways and driving and traveling a lot, uh, it was probably fairly early into the ways community. And and when you use the non-standard voice, they give instructions, but they wouldn't do street names. And so, you know, which is fine, like in Texas, because, I've kind of, well, I haven't been everywhere in Texas, but the places I've gone, I've gone enough that I don't really need the street names. But, uh, you know, you you fly to Quebec or something like that, and without street names, I'm in trouble. To be fair, though, right, like if if you're in Montreal, all the street names are basically French from my recollection, and I was in trouble anyway.
1: (laughs) I had the most fun of that when I went to Spain with my wife. She brought her BlackBerry. This is... Twenty eleven ish. And uh when all that rolled around here, um it we'd be making a turn and it'd be like turn left on Este Donda Biblioteca and we'd be like, uh huh, okay. And she'd be like, Did you get that? And I'd be like, No, I'm driving to the left somewhere. Where am I taking a left turn? Turn left, it
2: it's the library? That seems weird. (laughs) <laughs> it, 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 the best part was it would be a <laughs>
1: super deep voice or something too, like like if you switched to Telemundo or something where you have a normal pitch and then you have this is Telemundo, you know, like the the super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you expect them to be like go in the middle uh, something. I love Telemundo. It, it was just it it was just that was such a break from everything with it that. I I don't even know how we got around. I think when you consider the aggressiveness of European uh, drivers and all that, and like the way they do roundabouts and how we aren't that familiar with it. And I mean, they go like 30 miles an hour around that thing. Like like you're
2: supposed to. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Don't even get me started. We got roundabouts all over Fort Worth and it's not it's new right it's it's only been in the last five or six years that they've started putting them in so everybody that grew up here and people that have moved here and stuff typically have no idea and um having lived overseas a lot uh, in my early adulthood I'm just you know was lucky enough to be around that so they're fairly comfortable for me but it's uh it's kind of I, I would love to see the the amount of money spent on replacing yield signs and stuff when people are hopping curbs because they don't know how to use a roundabout, versus like how much it costs to actually put the roundabout in. Cause we've got one close to us that I'm not kidding you, it's it's gone through at least fifty signs in the past six months. Wow. Like every single it's the one that's like to get out of our neighborhood, we kind of pass through this one. And You know, there's always like pieces of cars, like there's a bumper or a fender or just like all this stuff in the middle circle part, like, of you know, wrecks that have happened and the junk or the tow truck drivers just throw stuff in the middle. It's like the bad mistake (laughs) graveyard.